So, Jackie, I feel like before we dive into this, we should just talk about the fact that there have been two separate occasions where you have been listening to our podcast and had prior knowledge of what we were talking about. <laughs> yeah, uh, Water Babies, which I read in college and have deep knowledge of. And what was the other one? Choiring. Right, right, right. I know so much about bookbinding, like a ton sure. about bookbinding. <laughs> So was that was that episode accurate then? Yeah, uh, it made me think a lot about Shakespeare, which I love. If you had to compare Shakespeare to uh, Kingsley and Water Babies, where would you where would you rank the two? Obviously, Water Babies is number one. Yeah, yeah for sure, for sure. Welcome to Butter No Parsnips. Every week on Butter No Parsnips, your hosts Emily Moyers and Kyle Imperator take you on an adventure through the weird, wacky, wonderful, and sometimes even wicked world of one wayside word. Strange characters, delightful bits, and general joyousness abound. Join them as they test each other's etymological expertise. Well, everybody, welcome to Butter No Parsnips. I am Kyle Imperator. And I'm Emily Moyers. And today, as you might have heard, we're joined by a very special guest, wordsmith, dungeon master, and my favorite person, Jackie Quaranto. Hello, Yay. that's me. Clap, clap, wow. clap, clap, clap. <laughs> I'm thrilled to be here. Longtime listener, first time joiner. <laughs> wow. We are really, truly thrilled to have you here, Jackie. Can you tell those of us who aren't one of your best friends who you are, what you do, and why you're here with us today? Of course. I'm Jackie Caranto. I am here because I like words a lot. And um, I work in publishing currently as an administrative assistant, but also I've done some editorial work. So, Jackie, would you like to deliver Kyle the word? Of course. I'm so excited. Emmy, is it going to come in like an envelope or? <laughs> it's nope. actually yeah. a gold-plated envelope. Oh, no. Oh, wow. It's heavy. <laughs> Weighs a ton. <laughs> so <Yeah>. much. <laughs> Let me just lift it over. Oh, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Open oh, it and, up. Yeah. What does that say? It says... Picaresque. Picaresque. It's P-I-C-A-R-E-S-Q-U-E. Honestly, I think I kind of know what it means. <laughs> but I don't exactly know. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you guys questions about it. So is it an adjective? It's an adjective, yes. Can it be used in like other ways? I mean, there are other variations on it um more like from its root but it, it's mostly just used as an adjective yeah is it spanish ding ding yes. ding that's wild i feel like uh, we definitely haven't talked about any spanish words yet on the podcast so that's fun yeah i guess we haven't okay so i don't know what it means <laughs> but i've i've heard it used in the context of candide by Voltaire. And as far as I am aware of it, I doesn't it mean something like things I don't even know. I don't even know how to explain it. Like I've got the concept in my head. <laughs> I don't know if you do. It's like a story that like travels to a bunch of different places. Is that it? Partially. I mean, honestly, that I'd consider that close enough. Yeah. You got that it's literature related. <laughs> I was supposed to read Candide, so that means I've read like a quarter of Candide. Nice, uh, nice. Yeah, this this all tracks. Which quarter? 
you know, bits and pieces here and there, a little bit of skimming, a little bit of spark notes, a little bit of whatever we were talking about in class. (laughs) Let's hope your professor isn't listening right now. (laughs) Not that I remember which professor it was. They're going to retroactively give you a failing grade for that project. (laughs) I get my entire degree taken away, my whole career (gasps) taken away just because I didn't actually... Read Candide. It was all because she went on butter, no parsnips. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, so I, yeah. So tell me, like, what's the rest of it? What am I missing there? So the definition of the word itself, picaresque, is relating to or characteristic of a rogue or knave. Oh. But there's the most common usage of the word is a picaresque novel. Yes. Yeah. Which is a novel that features that type of character. Oh, Wow. I've, wow, I had no idea that's what that meant. Yeah, Yeah, it's about some rude little dudes. (laughs) Some rude little dudes, some rude dudes. Jackie sent me this word as a suggestion, and as soon as I read, like, the description, I was like, this is very good. (laughs) So so I assume the esque part is the, like, pertaining to part. What, how does the pika part mean rogues? Is it like, like, Pikachu is like, well, (laughs) he's... He's he's a rogue that one. He he won't get into Ash's Pokeball. He's got to use the rubber gloves. <laughs> Pikachu from the wrong side of the tracks. That's yeah. <laughs> now it originates yeah. with the Spanish word picaro, close to Pikachu, which meant rogue or scoundrel. Oh. And this word is interesting because we're not actually sure where it comes from, what it comes from. There are two different theories that I found among Spanish etymologists. One is that the word originally referred to Spanish soldiers who were returning home from campaigns in the French region of Picardy. Oh, interesting. But the the theory is that it came to mean rogue because the soldiers who came home had no livelihood away from war. And so instead had to get by with like tricks and thievery and, and confidence games. And then the other theory is that the word comes from the Spanish verb picar. Which in the 1600s, when this word came about, picar meant to hit something with a sharp object. Interesting. And picaro could have referred to someone working a job like a kitchen assistant or a bullfighter or other like simple jobs that involved hitting things with sharp objects. I um, mean, just crazy that a language needs a word vague enough (laughs) to mean just hitting things with not like oh i'm using a knife i'm using a spear just (laughs) you got a sharp object and you're banging it against something i think it meant a lot of different things and then over time it kind of narrowed but yeah so those were like less respectable jobs that roguish types might have that's really interesting. Yeah. Also interesting for a rogue kitchen assistant, like in Dungeons and Dragons, not to bring it back to Dungeons and Dragons, but <laughs> Please rogue, do. always do. Rogues always have daggers. It's very true. Oh, that's interesting. Well, right, sure. Because if it wasn't a sharp object, you wouldn't be able to call them a rogue. I'm now learning. Yes. That that is, that is a defining feature of, of the rogues. So from the word picaro, the Spanish got another word picaron. Uh, which basically meant the same thing, although it looks like picaron was a much less commonly used word. It sounds like a, an insult. It sounds like an Italian insult is what I'm thinking of. <laughs> <laughs> it, well, so like I was trying to look up sample sentences for them to see if they were like used in different contexts. And some of them, it looked like picaron was used as more of like an endearing thing. Like, like oh, you're being a little, a little scutch. You're being a picaron. 
Sure. But yeah, Picard yeah, yeah. is like, I don't date that boy. He's a scoundrel. <laughs> Wait. So could that could all, so in like the scotch sense could that also be like oh you're annoying because he's poking me with sharp objects <laughs> yeah. Yeah. he's stabbing me with a kitchen knife what a picaron yeah. oh, what so a picaron <laughs> <laughs> but picaron I wanted to talk about because that morphed into the English word picaroon which also meant like rogue or thief or scoundrel but was also used to mean a pirate or a privateer. That's so interesting. Yeah. A pick- can you spell that? P-I-C-A-R-O-O-N. Oh, like macaroon. Yes, macaroon. <laughs> it sounds like such a fun word. <laughs> it's just so fun to say. And of course, I had to talk about it because as we all know, I love pirates. Yes, I mean, I, I yes, I am well aware. <laughs> <laughs> and because I love pirates, I have a quote here. From author Washington Irving, who you might know from writing Sleepy Hollow and Rip Van Winkle. Yeah, I was I knew him when he was writing those things. Yes, <laughs> you know him from when he was writing. I've actually visited his gravestone, fun fact. That's so, really interesting. Jackie knows him most intimately. <laughs> most so well. But the gravestones there are so old and so thin that I just got an overwhelming urge to punch them, which I didn't because I respect the dead. But <laughs> They wow, just look so- this looks like I could destroy it. It <laughs> just looks so breakable. Is that, what you, is that what you say when you see children, Jackie? <laughs> wow, I could completely destroy this thing's life. I just, I need everyone listening who doesn't know Jackie to know that Jackie's the most non-violent soul in the world. So to hear her say that was hilarious. <laughs> anyway, I have a quote from Washington Irving. He wrote this piece about Captain Kidd, who was one of the famous pirates in the Golden Age of Piracy. And he writes, quote, He had long been an equivocal character, one of those nondescript animals of the ocean that are neither fish nor flesh nor fowl. He was somewhat of a traitor, something more of a smuggler, with a considerable dash of the picaroon. Not a not a small dash, a considerable dash. A considerable dash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The root word picaro also formed into the Spanish adjective picaresco, and then the English adjective picaresque. And like I said, that is the most common form of the word in both Spanish and English because it is used in the phrase a picaresque novel. So a picaresque novel generally is a series of episodic adventures centered around a roguish hero. In 1936, literary critics Thrall and Hibbard outlined seven distinct qualities that define a picaresque novel. Oh, wow. This was yeah, just in demand in the 1930s? <laughs> yes, I don't know. We People got to formulate it. this. <laughs> so the qualities are, one, usually written in the first person. Two, the main character is often of low social class and gets through life by their wits rather than working for a living. Three, there is no overarching plot. It's just a series of episodes, as we said. Sure, sure. Four, there is no real character development. That's uh, an important part of it. Wow, that's yes, fascinating. The, no the development. Wikipedia, <laughs> the Wikipedia page for this says, quote, once a picaro, always a picaro. <laughs> <laughs> Only static characters here. That's it. One dimensional. <laughs> That's really interesting. Yeah. Five, the story employs realism and plainness of language. Okay. Six, satire is often a prominent element. And then the seventh quality, which I'm going to quote directly from the Wikipedia article because it's very good, very well written here. The behavior of a picaresque protagonist stops just short of criminality. 
carefree or immoral rascality positions the picaresque hero as a sympathetic outsider, untouched by the false rules of society. I mean, I think I need some sort of example of what this is. Do you guys have an example? (laughs) We do have some examples that we're going to get into in just a second. All that said, though, like in modern usage, when people talk about a picaresque novel, it can be something that just hits like a couple of these points. Right. Yeah. Not it's not as narrow about it. Of course. The novel that's typically cited as the first picaresque is a 1554 Spanish novella called Lazario de Tormes. And it's it's just about this kid who is who is a picaro. He's like got no real prospects, but he's getting through life by his wits (laughs) and taking on hypocrisy and greed and all the flaws of the world and just just sassing him i think is robin hood like a picaro it's a good question yeah i mean like when we were researching this who immediately jumped to my mind was um flynn rider from tangled sure yeah oh wow and i feel like robin hood's kind of like the original flynn rider robin hood original flynn rider you heard it here folks (laughs) we're calling you out tangled he's just robin hood take that disney you've already done that (laughs) but we do have some other examples of picaresque novels that might be more familiar is that right jack sure yeah um i have a few here and please feel free to stop me if any of these jump out to you um, mm-hmm. There's Don Quixote by Cervantes. There's The Pickwick Papers by Charles Dickens. Uh, oh, which, I never read those. Yeah. Yeah. That one's heavily featured in my favorite book, which is Little Women. Sure. There's Vanity Fair, which another book that I was supposed the, to read for school and didn't. I was going to say the magazine. <laughs> no, no, no. The book. The book. Who's Vanity Fair by? I actually don't know that one. Uh, William Makepeace Thackeray. Makepeace? Makepeace is his middle name, yes. Wait, his name is William Thackeray? Yes. Sounds so familiar, but I might be thinking of Hocus Pocus. Pocus. (laughs) 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 It's that time. It's that time. Wow. (laughs) Um, Go on, Jackie. Yeah. Uh, There's also The Magic Pudding by Norman Lindsay. What is The Magic Pudding? (laughs) How do I get some magic pudding on my hands? It's so good that you said that because the rest of this episode is about the magic pudding i'm so excited about magic pudding (laughs) let's let's get into this the full title is the magic pudding being the adventures of bunyip bluegum and his friends bill barnacle and sam sawnoff I know you guys can't see Kyle right now, but he is explode. There's a mushroom cloud where his head used to be. <laughs> Bunyip who? Bunyip Bluegum, obviously. You know Kyle, your favorite Bunyip character, Bunyip Bluegum. You know, he is now. From the classically beloved Australian picture book that inspired Australia to declare October 12, 2008 Pudding Day. The <laughs> book that Philip Pullman Uh, has cited as his favorite book of all time not even his favorite children's book his favorite book of all time all time starring (laughs) bunyip bluegum and his friends uh, boo boo banana hands and (laughs) sardine sauce m'lady what you got it you know not that far off bill barnacle and sam sawnoff barnacle Bill Barnacle, that's a Pirates of the Caribbean character. Absolutely. Uh-huh. uh-huh. There's a whole poem about it because this book has a lot of poems in it, and we're going to get into a few. God, I yep. love it. I love it. I love it. Lay it on me. 
So, as I said, this was a, a be- classically beloved Australian picture book written in 1918 uh, and features a host of anthropomorphic characters and a pudding named Albert. Yeah, in case you didn't automatically assume that, the magic pudding is not a thing, it is a character. It's a character? His name's Albert. And it's not the main character? No, 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 no. He's very much not the main character. Is he like the Jiminy Cricket? Is he like the magic pudding conscience? Um, he's (laughs) Sort of the opposite? Yeah, he's kind of... Is he the Picaroon? They're all pickaroons. They're all pickaroons, of course. I should have known. Yeah, in their own special way. (laughs) Um, So as is normal for the genre, there isn't really a distinct plot. It's more of a series of like loosely connected scenes um, that don't even really have all that much um, transition between them. So I'm gonna I'm gonna try to walk you through the little bit of plot there is. Please do. So our main character is a koala. His name is. uh, I'm sorry. Oh, I forgot they were animals. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, he's a koala named Bunyip Bluegum, and he decides to leave home because his uncle's beard is just completely out of control. Come on, Uncle Bluegum. I can't stand it. (laughs) It's too long. It's unmanageable. Shave it off (sighs) or I'm leaving, Unc. His uncle's name is Waddleberry. Oh, of course, of course. (laughs) There's no room for whiskers in their small house, their small tree house. And they they just kept getting in Bunyip's soup. So (laughs) Bunyip takes his uncle's walking stick and walks about with an air of pleasure, discovering the wonders of the world like dandelions, traction engines, and furniture being moved around. So just in the wild, the furniture being moved is a is an important thing? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's one of the, like, four things he mentions that's a wonder of the world. So I, I guess it's pretty important to him. Amazing. Incredible. So he um, eventually meets Bill Barnacle, a sailor. Sam a human sailor. Yes, a human a, sailor. A human sailor. Very important okay, to note. Okay, so. This is the gotcha. only human character. This is, this is like little bear rules. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay, gotcha. Bill Barnacle's friend, Sam Sonoff, who is a penguin. I mean, I love this even more now, because penguins are <laughs> my favorite. <laughs> Sam Sonoff? Did it, I mean, did he have some sort of gruesome fate that his name is Sonoff? <laughs> no. I'm really t- disturbed. It's just his name. And the it's other him. person he meets is the titular magic pudding, Albert. I mean, <laughs> so the magic pudding isn't a main character, but is the name of the novel. Is it does the does it revolve around something that the magic pudding does or? Yes, actually. Would you like to guess what makes this pudding so magical other than being alive? Oh, my God. Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, I would love more than anything to guess. He. OK, so he's alive. He talks mm-hmm. Australian accent. But I think the magic thing about this pudding is that he can change the weather. Okay, no. Okay. Was I in the ballpark? No, but I can give you a hint if you'd like. Give me a hint. Okay. Yeah, why not? Um, this includes a poem, so I'm going to take a sip of water quick. Okay. Oh, <laughs> fantastic. Is this a poem that you've written for this hint? 
<laughs> my god, I wish. This is my favorite Are poem. Are you the Riddler? <laughs> <laughs> this is my favorite poem in the whole book. I wish I had written it. <laughs> okay. So for a little bit of context, Bunyip first meets the group when they're having lunch, and he's obviously very hungry, and he keeps hinting that maybe he should be invited to eat with Bill and Sam, but they're like, they're not picking up on it. They're not very socially gotcha. aware. So Albert <laughs> jumps in with this poem. Onions, bunions, corns and crabs, whiskers, wheels, and handsome cabs, beef and bottles, beer and bones, give him a feed and end his groans. Then Bunyip thanks him for being so polite, but Albert continues, politeness be sugar, just politeness. Keeps going. Oh, th- this is only two stanzas of it, too. There's more. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Uh, politeness be sugared, politeness be hanged, politeness be jumbled and tumbled and banged. It's simply a matter of putting on pace. Politeness has nothing to do with the case. I'm not being polite, <laughs> all right? I've got a serious mission here, and it is to feed people? Does it make food? Yes. So yeah, you got it. He's a never-ending pudding. Oh, my God. It's like <laughs> Neopets. <laughs> Yeah, it's just like the giant giant omelet. (laughs) Okay, I really want to talk more about this. I just would like the context of how he met a pudding. Like, why is there a pudding at this picnic? Okay, so first of all, I think it's important to note he loves being eaten. Oh my god. Oh god. (laughs) Yeah. Oh no. Yeah, it is every bit as vile as you're thinking it is. Oh god. The only thing that brings him (laughs) happiness in this dark, sad world is being eaten. And the second they're full, he starts to run away. He he picks up his little legs and he just starts sprinting. He's got legs. Yep. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We should find a picture to show you, Kyle, because he's got, he's like a little ball of a pudding, and then he's got little spindly little arms and legs, and then a bowl on his head. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. (laughs) He's actually a steak and kidney pudding. He's savory. Yeah, they talk about how his voice is so gruff because he has gravy in his innards. So funny. And also don't like the idea that this creature has innards. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but the the way that he came to be is Bill and Sam have been like have been together for a while and they were like on a boat together with this cook and they were like all kind of stranded on an iceberg together and Bill and Sam were like ugh there's no food how is our cook still like staying so well fed so they find him in the middle of the night one night and this cook his name is Curry and Rice they see him with this pudding that he has invented the cook invented the pudding? <laughs> yes, it specifically uses the word invented, not cooked, invented. So what happens then is a little hazy, depending on who you ask. Bill and Sam keep saying, it was dark, anything could have happened. But <laughs> I don't like that. I don't like that. That means there is something they are hiding. All right? Absolutely. <laughs> According to Albert, they spent half an hour brutally murdering him by oh, yeah. pushing him off the iceberg. I'm sorry. The iceberg is a real big addition to this story. (laughs) Is this also partly the Titanic? Why is there an iceberg? It's unclear. It's okay. Fantastic. Awesome. Okay. (gasps) Did you get the picture I sent you? Yes, I just got the picture. (laughs) Oh my God. Is this from the book? No, I don't think this one is. Oh my God. It is an illustrated book though. 
I love yeah, it, though. Yeah, yeah. Look, look for that on the Instagram, ladies and gents. <laughs> and he's so unhappy looking. <laughs> oh, this man hates his existence. There's a whole poem about it. Of course mm-hmm. it would be a poem. At one point, they're all like talking about their identities. And Albert says, oh, who would be a puddin? A puddin in a pot. A puddin which is stood on. A fire which is hot. Oh, sad indeed the lot of puddins in a pot. I wouldn't be a puddin' if I could be a bird. If I could be a wooden doll, I wouldn't say a word. Yes, I have often heard it's grand to be a bird. But as I am a puddin', a puddin' in a pot, I hope you get the stomach ache for eating me a lot. I hope you get it hot, you puddin'-eating lot. (laughs) And, Jackie, how often do they say puddin' in this book? (laughs) It's... The only way they say pudding. Yeah. They only say pudding, never pudding. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. Always with the little apostrophe, no G. I like that because it makes it like cuter, but also knowing that this grumpy homunculus <laughs> <laughs> is ha- forced to be called pudding all the time <laughs> is like, wow, what a, I mean, just truly torturous also important to note that they call him albert to his face but refuse to call them that behind his back behind his back they only call him the puddin oh that's great is i mean is that explicit do they say that or is that just yes. what happens no it's oh, explicitly wow. stated that they intentionally call him just the puddin behind his back and albert <laughs> to his face why because they don't see him as an equal <laughs> don't think they aren't do. real people no, I mean, this pudding is imprisoned. Whenever he tries to run away, they, like, stand on the, either side of him and hold his hands. Wait, okay. So you're <laughs> telling me that he likes to be eaten because he wants to die? Is that what's go- what is going on here? Because <laughs> he wants to get out of this world? I mean, they don't specifically say that, but now that you mention it, maybe. It feels reasonable. Yeah, why else would he want to be eaten and also not want to live? Contrastingly, Bill Barnacle and Sam Sonoff, they love being alive. Um, Sam sings a song about being a penguin, which is pretty cute, but it didn't make much of an impression. Um, I can't tell you any like part of the poem. And I didn't care You don't about remember it. the melody from the book? <laughs> no. <laughs> but something I found really interesting was that Bill's little biographical poem focused on being a Spanish pirate. Oh, it's like a nod to the roots yeah. of the genre. Mm-hmm. So you're telling me that a man named Bill Barnacle was a Spanish <laughs> pirate? <laughs> well, I think he, he wanted to be a Spanish pirate more than actually was oh, a Spanish okay. pirate. So that's where the Don Quixote comes into play. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Again, would you like to hear a poem? Uh, yes, please. <laughs> When I was young, I used to hold, I'd run away to sea, and be a pirate brave and bold on the coast of Caribbee. For I says to myself, I'll fill me hold with Spanish silver and Spanish gold, and out of every ship I sink, I'll call her the best of food and drink. For Caribbee, or Barbary, or the shores of South America are all the same to a pirate bold whose thoughts are fixed on Spanish gold. I love every part of this book so far isn't that the cutest the poem you've ever heard <laughs> i love the characters i'm pretty sure at least one of the sherman brothers is still alive <laughs> yes there needs yes, to be a mary poppins style musical adaptation I of mean, this book Kyle, we're not done yet <laughs> there's more <laughs> there's more <laughs> i'm so excited <laughs> So this is the part of the book where the uh, preview that was free on Google Books ended for me. Um, <laughs> okay, fair. Because this was uh, mostly You don't want to buy a leather-bound copy of this book? I, she almost I did. I tried to. 
funny. <laughs> I probably will eventually. Sure. <laughs> but the book is primarily just popular in Australia, HarperCollins, Australia specifically. And I was not going to be able to get a copy in time. So I, I read the free preview. But according to the Wikipedia page, their adventures continue to include an elderly dog named Benjamin ba- Brandy Snap. Oh, okay. <laughs> of course. There are run-ins with professional puddin' thieves. Are these are these pudding thieves that sorry, puddin' thieves yep, you got it. that know <laughs> that you. there's a magic puddin', or they just happen to be puddin' stealers? <laughs> um I don't, it's, again, unclear, but they do see this pudding and pull a knife on them. But do they have prior experience as pudding thieves? <laughs> they call themselves professional pudding thieves. I mean, you don't, you don't give yourself that moniker unless you are dead serious about it. So. <laughs> yeah, and their names are um, Patrick and Watkin. I love that Patrick is just a normal name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're a possum and a wombat. Oh, and they're animals as well. Okay. Yeah. I love Again. that. I love wa- wa- Watkins the Wombat and Patrick the Possum. That's Bill great. Barnacle, only human. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And then there's a chaotic court trial that ends in a false poisoning. <sighs> and then it ends with the noble society of pudding owners quietly living out their days in a treehouse together. Which is what the main characters call themselves. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> Wait, do they never get back to his uncle? <laughs> I was actually looking through the book earlier because I found out you could word search. You Like you could um, yeah. search by word in Google Books even if you it's not part of the preview. The uncle does come back, but it's not listed anywhere on the Wikipedia page that I saw. Bunyip never sees his uncle again. His uncle dies a skeleton waiting for Bunyip to return. <laughs> waiting for soup. <laughs> yeah. Instead, they form a little found family living in a living in a treehouse. I mean, adorable. I love found families. That's that's like one of those things that tugs at my heartstrings, you know. Uh, I, I, an appropriate ending, I would say, to uh, the Picaroon adventures there (laughs) and then like we mentioned there have also been a couple of big adaptations of the magic pudding i'm ready i'm ready tell me (laughs) in 2013 the victorian opera brought it to the stage so recent an opera (laughs) a whole opera opera. (laughs) who's it by the music is by calvin bowman the libretto is adopted from uh, norman Lindsay's book by anna goldsworthy I mean, have you listened to clips from this opera? Was it? There was another big adaptation that took up our yeah. entire brain space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, <laughs> all right. Let's, let's hear it. Let's hear it. In 2000, a film adaptation was released starring a list of celebrities. Okay. There, mm-hmm. Sam Neill, Jeffrey Rush, Hugo Weaving, Jack Thompson, Tony Collette, and John Cleese. <laughs> and it was a musical. What? Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Do those... I've never heard any of those people sing. <laughs> they all do. I watched the first maybe half an hour of the movie the other night, and then I was like, this is enough. <laughs> <laughs> is but it I, animated? Yeah, very. Um, uh, okay. Bad. <laughs> we both <laughs> forgot that it was a musical. And then Jeffrey Rush starts singing as Bunyip Bluegum, and I was like, what's happening? <laughs> Wait, Jeffrey Rush plays Bunyip? <laughs> yes. Doing a high-pitched little sweet little koala voice. I would have put down a hundred bucks to say that Jeffrey Rush played Albert. No, John Cleese. The thing is, the movie introduces plot. Just new plot? Completely yeah. new plot. And 
Oh Tony Collette plays Meg Bluegum, the mother of Bunyip Bluegum. Lovely. Does Meg join the adventure? Wait, is the uncle not in it? The uncle's actually the main villain of the movie. Interesting. That was not implied in the first half hour that I watched. <laughs> so the plot is that Bunyip is an orphan trying to find his parents, um, and he ends up coming across an underground system uh, where... His uncle Waddleberry is uh, enslaving people, including his parents. And also, Albert has good and evil halves. And at the end of the movie, spoiler alert, the halves break apart and fight each other. <laughs> That's crazy. I, I mean, it is so hard for me to fathom that somebody read this at least mostly sweet children's <laughs> book and said, not enough trafficking. <laughs> We got to put in some real, some real, uh, you know, trauma in here for everyone for this animated musical. Yeah. And this movie was so astronomically awful that its financial Mm. losses caused the production company to shut down. Of course. Of course. Wow. Incredible. I have to watch this movie. I mean... It has to be the next thing I watch. <laughs> My theory is that uh, because it introduced plot, it strayed too far from the picaresque, and that is why it was bad. Because it wasn't picaresque. Because it wasn't picaresque. They broke the rules. Mm-hmm. Kyle. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to play a game? I would love to play a game. I am going to be stunned f- if you guys came up with a game that relates to the, any of what we talked about. <laughs> <laughs> It took a little bit of workshopping, but we ended up coming up with the Pudding Club. So what we're going to do is we're each going to, uh, we're going to take turns. We're going to introduce the name of a pudding to you, and you have to guess what it is. I love this. Okay. These are all normal puddings that you've definitely heard of. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Kyle, the first one is Scrapple. Oh, well, I guess that is pudding, huh? Mm -hmm. I've had Scrapple. That's crazy. It's basically, you know, it's, it's, uh, Pennsylvania treat. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's basically just, hey, this is everything we do that nobody wants. We're going to make it into a spam-like <laughs> substance. Yeah, it is a Pennsylvania Dutch pudding, traditionally a mush of pork scraps and trimmings combined with cornmeal, wheat flour, buckwheat flour, and spices. Yeah. Yeah, it's something. Your next pudding is syllabub. <laughs> I think in the British version of Cats, one of the cats is named Syllabub. Syllabub, <laughs> uh, my guess, is going to be it's a pudding made out of soaps. No, but a cat being named after it would kind of make sense um, because it is a British pudding and it's a sweet dish made by curdling sweet cream <laughs> or milk with an acid such as wine or cider. It's like a cottage cheese custard. Yeah, Rum Tum Tugger would love it. <laughs> he would love it. Rum Tum Tugger is a syllabub cat. <laughs> <laughs> Kyle, your next pudding is Moin Moin. Moin Moin? Can I get a language of origin? You can. It's Nigerian. Ah, Nigerian. Um, I'm going <laughs> to guess it's made with yams. No, it is a steamed or boiled bean pudding made from a mixture of washed and peeled black-eyed beans combined with onions and fresh ground red peppers. That actually sounds delicious. Your next pudding is Dead Man's Arm, also known as Dead Man's Mm -hmm. Leg, also known as Shirt Sleeve Pudding. Which also sounds delicious. (laughs) 
So I'm going to guess it's a meat pudding. No meat. But it looks like a shirt sleeve or a pant sleeve. Is it made with pastry dough? No. Is it made with an actual, like, <laughs> I don't know, the hair from a dead man's arm? <laughs> so the dead part comes in because uh, it looks, it's filled with jam, so it almost looks like it's bleeding. Oh, that's fun. It's a flat rolled suet pudding, which is then spread with jam and rolled up, then steamed or baked. Uh, kind of like a Swiss roll, but boiled. Isn't suet like <laughs> just beads of fat? It's like a boiled pastry suet. But it does involve animal fat. Yeah, like lard. Kyle looks so appetized right now. I mean, honestly, <laughs> honestly, I guess I can't knock it until I've tried it, you know, which I assume will be when we stop recording, right? That's when all the puddings come out. <laughs> oh, absolutely. But we have one more left, and it is called Grody Pudding, spelled G-R-O-A-T-Y. Grody? Well, if I remember... <laughs> Way, way, way back to Billingsgate. Oh, <laughs> something wasn't worth, not even worth a groat. <laughs> yes, yes. And a groat, yes. I think was, I think a groat was a grain. So I is think it, it just, was. Is it just like pudding made with grains? Is it like a like a porridge? You know what? Because you pulled back knowledge all the way from episode one, <laughs> I'm gonna give it to you. <laughs> ding ding ding. It's a little bit more specific than that, but sure. it's uh, a dish made from soaked groats, beef, leeks, onion, and beef stock baked together at a moderate temp- temperature of approximately 302 degrees Fahrenheit <laughs> for up to 16 hours. That's not approximate. So specific. <laughs> up to how long? Two to three hours? 16 no. hours. 16. 16 hours at 300 degrees? Yes. Wow, grody pudding. Well, I'm going to have a grody pudding, I think, at least once a day from now on. So <laughs> thank you for that. Thank you for yeah. all of the pudding talk. Yes, Jackie, thank you so much for joining us this week on Butter No Parsnips. Is there anything you want the people at home to know about? Your social media, your your projects, whatever? Well, thank you for having me. I don't have like any specific projects going on, but I do have a Twitter and a TikTok that you're more than welcome to follow at Jackie Caranto, just my name on both of them. Um, and yeah, thank, thanks again for having me. Thank you, Jackie. This has been so much fun. Thank you for bringing this word picaresque. It was really awesome. Uh, for all of you at home, remember you can find Butter No Parsnips on social media. We've got a Facebook page. We've got an Instagram at Butter No Parsnips Podcast. Yeah, and if you uh, liked today's episode, you might consider giving us a five-star rating or a good review on whatever podcast resource you're listening on. And if you really liked today's episode, please consider donating to our Patreon at patreon.com slash Butter No Parsnips. You get some exclusive buttered parsnips after hours content there absolutely i have been emily moyers i've been kyle imperator and you've been jackie Granto. <laughs> amazing thank you all for listening
Thank you for listening to Butternut Parsnips. Butternut Parsnips is produced by Seth Glicksman, Emily Moyers, and Kyle Imperator. The theme music and additional music is by Kyle Imperator. If you liked listening to this episode, subscribe and give us a good rating and or positive review wherever you heard it. If you really liked listening, consider donating to our Patreon at patreon.com slash butternoparsnips. There you can get bonus content you can't get anywhere else, like the monthly Patreon-exclusive podcast Buttered Parsnips. Your support means the world to us and encourages us to keep making more. Thanks in advance, and we'll be back next week.